Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Lord, we have sensed your presence in this place during worship. We, we really sensed your presence even when we came in and we greeted and was hugged and, and cared for by so many. Uh, so the work that you've already started to do, uh, our hearts are as open as we know how to make them open. Our minds are as open as we know how to make them open. So would you just take it to the next level? And for those who are listening by podcast or video, well, just, just take this moment and transform their moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody shout amen. 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 Please be seated. So if you are uh, joining us for the very first time, I want to encourage you when you get home, go check out our podcast for the last three weeks or our video and catch up on what I think has been one of the more important series that I've had a chance to uh, teach on. And if you go on our website and look there by the video, you will see there's a little tab there and the study notes that come with this is there. And you can tap into that and you can kind of go even a little deeper in terms of uh, what's the practical implications of what we've been teaching. Uh, the quick summary, to, as we jump off into something that I really want to talk about today, uh, is, is that uh, what we've been trying to do is to take Paul seriously when he says, uh, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every, shout every, Every part of our lives. We, we've just said, you know what, we're going to just take him seriously about that. If he's saying it, it must be possible. And so I've said that the best way to start is this happens best inside of a relationship between us and Jesus, one that is continuing to grow. But uh, it's pretty remarkable to imagine that God wants to lead us in every part of our lives, the part of our lives of parenting, the part of our life that's uh, an executive leader or a plumber, the, those of us who are married, uh, those who are teaching, the, that whatever the, those of us who are trying to figure out how to be, we, we, we know how to have friends, but we're trying to figure out how to be friends, uh, 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 that the Spirit of God will lead us in every, shout every. Wow. So we've been trying to look at what's the practical implication? How do we do that? And uh, clearly, Paul is a good person to write about this because uh, the Holy Spirit led him in a variety of ways. For example, Acts chapter 16, uh, there's between verses 6 and 10, there's just several e events where God's Spirit was leading him. Uh, just put the last two verses up, 9 and 10. Here's, here's an example of this. They were trying to figure out uh, where to go. They were headed towards one place, and the Spirit said, don't go there. And they headed towards another place to do ministry, and the Spirit said, don't do that. Uh, and then here comes this. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him. Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So Paul understood what it was to live a life where the Holy Spirit, even in vision, uh, led them uh, go here, go there. And so the first point is simple. There are seasons in our lives where the voice and the leading and the direction of God is clear. There's seasons. And we talked last week about all the different ways that God speaks to us. But this is also true. 
every believer will also at some point have a season where God's voice is silent. Where all of a sudden it feels like God is not speaking to you. There's no promptings. There's no leading. Uh, uh, it feels like God's direction has completely dried up. It actually feels like, uh, uh, that, that it, 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 I like to say it like this, feels like God uh, has closed the windows, pulled, uh, closed the curtains, pulled down the windows, and went on vacation. Feels like he's just gone. Shout gone from our lives. I want you to expect it because, because if you're serious in your walk with God, I'm telling you that you're going to run through this season. Some people talk about it as a, as a dry space. And another way to imagine it is, uh, uh, to, to experience it is, that, you know, you find yourself reading scripture and, and the word just doesn't speak to you anymore. You, you come here and the songs that used to move you and inspire you, they just, they just don't move you. you the, the music that you put in, the Christian music, the praise music on your iPhone you listen to, it just, it just doesn't do it for you. you. You hear my message or you go online and you hear some preaching and it just kind of sounds all like the same thing. And, 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 and it just doesn't seem to have anything fresh for your soul. Everybody say a dry space. I promise you, you will go through it. The question is, well, how do we handle uh, life and faith when we show up in that space? Let me, let me just make a couple points right here. First one is 1 Samuel uh, chapter 3, verse 1. I told you last week about Samuel hearing God speak for the very first time to him. But here's the context of that. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, the message from the Lord was very rare. And visions were quite uncommon. Now, there's a lot beneath this text, but essentially what he's saying is that in that particular season in the life of the nation of Israel, that, that hearing from God and seeing God's direction was just rare. And it's dried up. Well, what does it mean when you go through this experience? Does it mean that uh, for does it mean that you are perhaps uh, uh, some kind of inferior uh, Christian? Does it does it mean that you've done something horrible and that that God is uh, kind of upset with you? What 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 does it mean when you go through? Does it mean that God has all of a sudden stopped loving you? What 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 does it mean? When you go through that experience. And by the way, uh, uh, you know, it w could it be that if you were a more powerful Christian, maybe you wouldn't go through that way? Is that what we think? Just in case you was thinking that, I thought I'd call to the witness stand uh, a lady who is, in fact, the gold standard for Christian faithfulness in contemporary culture uh, in our day, Mother Teresa. And uh, even folk who don't believe in God say that if I did believe in God, I'd like a godly life that looks something like Mother Teresa's. And she was amazing in her caring for the poor. And out of her work came incredible stuff all over the world. The, the missionary charities that exploded all over the world. She uh, won a Nobel Peace Prize because of her work. And yet... Here's what she wrote, her first statement 
When she died, we, 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 covered, we uncovered, recovered some of her letters. And we were shocked by her, the stuff that she wrote about what, was, what she was dealing with in her interior life. I'm told God lives in me. And yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing, shout nothing, touches my soul. Huh? She's describing this internal experience of dryness, this internal experience of having the voice of God to kind of just cease, to just dry up. She's she's describing this, this experience uh, uh, where at one point she would hear God speak to her. That's how she got to where she was. And then all of a sudden it just ceased. All right, here's a quick insight for you to get. We all, if we're believers, will walk through this season. And one of the reasons why I'm saying we will walk through this season is because when we walk through this season, it usually means that God is doing a deeper work in our lives. All right. I tell the person next to you, God wants to do something deeper in your life. Tell him. He's doing something deeper. That God usually, when we walk through this, God is saying, okay, we're gonna t- I'm going to take off the training wheels. God is saying, okay, I'm pulling you out of the diapers. I'm putting you in real clothes. God is saying, all right, you've graduated from high school. I'm, I'm sending you to college. Or rather, this is the graduate level of walking with me. I'm backing up a little bit. Give you some space. Shout deeper. I was doing something deep. But this is so biblical, guys. As a matter of fact, the theologians refer to this time in the life of believers as the dark night of the soul. And it's very biblical. You know, Psalms 23, uh, 4, one of my favorite verses. I know David sounds very confident. He, he is. Listen to what he says. He says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Everybody shout, for you are with me. You're with me. You, you, you look at that passage and you say, wow, David is confident. David is like a giant. Man, I wish I could be like David. I mean, wow. But flip over. Flip back one chapter. Go to Psalms 22. Same writer you find right here. Psalms 22. Here he writes, my God. I, in verse 1, he writes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? And wait, 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 wait a moment. What's the insight? Before you can really have a Psalms 23, you got to live through a Psalms 22. You got you to be able to work your way through those spaces where it looks like God is absent and, and, and yet by faith, push through that and allow him to do a deeper work and out of that deeper work comes the Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. But that comes from somewhere. You don't just get it just sitting up here in church. You got, you got to live through something, y'all. Come on, tell the person next to you, you got to live through something. With God, with God. So, in order to survive these dry spaces and not stop coming to church, in order to survive these dry spaces and not walk away from being a follower of Jesus, in order to, 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 to survive these dry spaces and not back away from your devotion time, uh, uh, you've got to be able to make two affirmations of faith. 
Shout affirmation. Now listen. These two affirmations of faith. What, listen to me. They are not tied to God's actions or his inactions. These two affirmations of faith are tied to God's character. That when all else fails, you need to know God's character. And, 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 and watch this. I said faith. Shall faith. I didn't say feelings. Right? I said faith. However, well, listen to me. In order for it to be faith and not fake, you've got to be honest about your feelings. You're listening? Come on now, because some of us say, I'm walking by faith, and you are pretending not to have the feelings that you have. If you're pretending not to have what you have, then you're faking. But to be real about your feelings and still walk, come on now, now you're facing. All right, come on, Here, here's, here's uh, Mother Teresa, she shows us how to do this remarkably. Here's what she says, listen to what she says. She writes, in my soul, and this went on for her for some time, it was for months, there was a season where it went on for a few years, this internal thing she's describing. In my soul, I feel just that terrible pain of loss, of God not wanting me, of God not being God. Of God not existing in the soul. Now, when the journalists read this, some of them, they had filled it. They said, wow, Mother Teresa, she was just faking all along. And anyway, man, she, she didn't even believe in God. That is not what she said. Listen to what she said. In my soul, I what? Feel. She's being honest about her feelings, y'all. She's writing out her feelings. She said, I feel. She did not, she did not say, I have concluded that, that God doesn't want me. I've concluded that God uh, is no longer God. She didn't say that. She's being honest about, surrounded by the miseries and the tragedy that she's surrounded by and feeling the absence of God's voice. She says, I feel. Shout, I feel. Now, the way that she was able to continue to do 50 years worth of ministry. And out of that 50 years worth of ministry, I told you God is doing something deeper, right? Comes a worldwide uh, experience of love that ultimately results in a Nobel Peace Prize and all that kind of stuff. The way she did it, she held on to two affirmations that was not based in her feelings. The first affirmation is... God is always with me. Everybody shout, always. Come on, say it with me. Say, God is always. Say, always with me. That's a faith affirmation. That's knowing, really, the property and the character of God. Here's what the psalmist says in Psalms 139. He makes it, I love this. This is one of my favorite psalms in Psalms 139. He says, he's talking about God. He says, he says, he says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. All right, now for some people in the room, this is bad news. 
Right? You know, you know, we all go through that period where you're looking for some space where God's not there so you can kind of get away with some stuff, right? And now you discover what? He's everywhere. And some people say, I'm not coming to church because, you know, I'm not quite living the way I need to be living. Well, however you live it, he's there. So you just want to come on to church. <laughs> and join the rest of us sinners. Come on now. <laughs> Tell the person next to you, I- I- I'm glad to meet you. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Welcome home. Tell them. <laughs> but we're not content, right? We, we want to be more than who we are. So we keep coming. We keep coming. Just, anyway, so that may not be good news for some people. But for most of us, this is incredible news. I love what the psalmist, if you read the rest of it, we're not going to read it. But here's what he basically says. By summary, he says, God, I can't get away from you. If I go to the heights of heavens, you're there. If I go to the furthest regions of the, of, the, of, the, of the earth, you're there. If I go to the deepest depths of the ocean, there you are. If I go into the depths of hell, the, the grave, God, even there you will find me. If I cover myself in darkness, even darkness is light to you. God, wherever I am, you are there. God is always with me. Shout always. In jail cell, he's there. Come on now. In the hospital, always. Come on now. On the mountaintop, always. Come on. In trouble, always. God is always, always with you. Celebrate that. That's good news. You can't shake God. Because he's what? Second affirmation that is really built on God's character and the property of God is, which enabled her to be honest about her feelings. But then she did not hold on to her feelings. She held on to her faith. What the second affirmation is, God always loves me. All right, say it with me. Say, God always Loves me. Shout always. There's one of my favorite passages. God is speaking to the nation of Israel, but it is a universal truth to apply to everybody who's a part of God's family. Uh, in Jeremiah, here's what God says in Jeremiah. Jeremiah's speaking. He says, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, and here's what God says. Watch this. I have loved you. With and what is this? Everlasting. everlasting. What does everlasting mean? Always. Come on now. Come on now. I, 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 there's no end to my love. I, I have drawn you with an unfailing that kindness. That word. That's really beneath that is this notion of grace. My grace never gives up on you, God. And what God is saying is that the way I love you, my love for you, my loving you cannot be interrupted. It cannot be disrupted. It cannot be stalled. It is not based on your behavior. It's not based on a good day or bad day. It is not shaped by your flaws or your strength. I, as long as you are you and I'm me, I will always love you. About shout faith. 
so you can be honest about your feelings. Then with your faith, grab that affirmation and then move forward knowing even though you don't feel it, that it's true. Makes all the difference. Now, let me roll towards a conclusion because I think that even in God's silence, remember I said that when God is silent, he's doing a deeper work in you, right? So what that means, in my opinion, is that even in God's silence, he's still communicating to you. He's, he's just got to in tune, got to get the frequency right. He's, he's still communicating to you even through his silence. I'm going to argue that there's four things, at least four things, that God tends to say to us through silence. At least four things. Now, you have to figure out which one applies to you based upon the context of your own life. But I want to give you four lenses to examine it by that I think that God's silence, his inactivity, allows him to begin to do a deeper work in your life. Uh, number one, Genesis 1. The first three verses. Yeah, I love it. I talk about it all the time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and emptied. That at word, shout darkness, was over the surface of the deep. I love this. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Watch this next verse. And God, this first time he speaks in the biblical text, it says, and God said, come on, let there what? And then let there be light. So his, his statement, let there be, and then what comes after it happens, light. Well, this is true. And then light comes, creation happens. But the question for me then is, what is happening before this? Let me tell you what's happening. God is hovering over the chaotic darkness. And he's silent. And he hasn't said anything. So what is his silence communicating as he hovers over the chaotic darkness? His silence is saying, let it be. Let the silence be. Let the chaos, excuse me, be. Don't, don't try to fix it. Don't try to change it. Don't try to engage it. it it's, it's, it's on my divine timing clock. Come on. There's nothing you can do. Just let it be. Everybody shout, let it be. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Quick example. When my daughter was six years old, we used to play this game, Jingle, Jingle. You know, the pyramid. You pull the blocks out. Was it Jingle? You know, whatever it is, you got it. Yeah, pull the blocks out. And you pull the blocks out, and so and whoever it claps on, you lose. So she pulled a block, one, I pulled one, she pulled one. And then I pulled a block, and it came halfway and stuck. And the thing did this. And I kind of moved a little bit and it did that. And my daughter, translation, six years old, looked at me and said, Daddy, let it be. So we went on past it. She pulled, I pulled, she pulled, I pulled. But out of the corner of my mind, I just kept getting bothered by that, that block halfway out. So I stopped and I went back to the block. And, and I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, if I can't pull it out, then at least I can push it in. I, and, 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 and so I got ready to push it. And, 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 and it jingled a little bit. 
And my daughter looked at me and she said, Daddy, let it be. And I said, wait a minute, baby. You're six years old. You, you haven't even gotten out of elementary school. Come on, look, I, 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 got, I, got, I got two or three degrees. Come on, I, at that time, I'm in my mid-40s. Come on, I, 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 you haven't even had a physics class yet. I, I've had physics. I, I know that if I get this block just right, come on now, and if I hit it with the right speed, I can move it and everything. Say, just, just let me handle it. Come on now. I can fix it. Shall fix it. I pushed it. <laughs> Is that not the way it is with some of us? There are some elements in our lives that God is saying, let it be. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. You can't fix it. You can't handle it. Just let it be. But, but there's something in you that makes you rise up and say, no, I can fix it. And when you mess with it, it blows all up. God's silence says, let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Everybody shout, let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. It's one of the lenses to check out. Now, your context will determine whether that's what his silence is saying. The second thing that his silence says often is, uh, is, 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 is keep going. Everybody shout, keep going. Have you ever noticed that when you have a navigation system and you put it on and you're in the city, they said, turn right. Turn left. And you get out there on 101, hit south, get past San Jose, hit it toward Monterey. You got about 40 miles, 50 miles to go. And then it doesn't say nothing. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? I mean, I mean, from time to time, I start feeling insecure. I'm looking, I've said, is it still there? Is it, is it on? Is it, it, it doesn't say, it doesn't speak to me. It does not encourage me. It, it doesn't bless me. It doesn't say, you know, just you slow down, speed up. It doesn't say you're really driving well. It's just silent, y'all. Silence. Silence, silence, silence. silence. But whenever I check it, I discover that what the silence means is keep going. That when you get to a pivotal point where there's a need for a change, then it'll speak. But if it does not speak, shall keep going. Come on, we see this in the text. Watch this. Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, uh, and, and he, he takes Peter, James, and John into the Garden of Gethsemane. And the text starts off by talking about, uh, uh, he says, uh, he begins to be deeply distressed and troubled. That's the dark night of the soul, y'all. Uh, and... And he, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. Uh, he says to them, you stay here and keep watch, pray over here while I go over a little further. And then he goes on and he says, he, he starts talking to the father and Matthew lays it out, says it, it happens three times. Basically, all of the writers are trying to say he prayed all night long and, and, and that his reoccurring prayer was this. Uh, 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 God, father, you can do anything. Shout anything. Take this cup. This, this cup of violence that awaits me, this cup of crucifixion that has my name on it. Take this cup from me. And, 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 and the one who at one point said when he was baptized, the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The one who scripture says that the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. But for that whole episode in the dark, all Jesus gets back from the father is silence. 
And finally, he says, not my will, but your will be done. Let us arise up. In other words, Jesus understood the silence to mean from the Father. Keep going. All right, now there's a deep insight here. It just will mess your theology. Uh, uh, Kathy, uh, Kay Warren, Rick Warren's wife, after she lost her son to suicide, she said these words. She said, she said whenever you surrender your life to God, be careful because it is a dangerous surrender because God has a tendency to take you places that you cannot expect or imagine and a lot of us we come to God because we want blessings we want more money we want blessings we want bigger houses we want blessings we're looking for a spouse we want blessings we want good health but 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 God while he will do that from time to time but God is more interested in your partnering with him to redeem the world come on now at the crucifixion was the means through which Jesus was going to bring salvation and redemption to the world so God said keep going so here's what I'm I'm saying that sometimes God will call you into difficult places. He, he'll call you into the dark. He'll call a Nelson Mandela, Della to end up 30 plus years and, and doing hard labor in prison because he's going to use him to bring an end to apartheid. Come on. He'll, he'll call a Mother Teresa to go into the streets of Calcutta because he's going to use her to raise up compassion and love around the world. He'll call a Martin Luther King to end up marching in Memphis even though it will end in an assassination because he will use him to bring a civil rights revolution into the world. Sometimes he'll bless you to get high heights in prosperity. Then he'll say to you like the lawyer in the text where he says, he'll say to you, he said to the lawyer, he says, he said, go sell everything you have and follow me. What he'll say to some of y'all who got some money, he'll say, I want you to downsize now, get a smaller house, sell out three cars, and I want you to take the rest of that money, and I want you to use it to bless a project for the rest of your life. God called you. He, you got five kids and he'll speak to you and say, I want you to adopt two more. Yeah. When you say, I surrender, it is a dangerous surrender because God, in order for there to be light, he has to call you to show up in the dark. God calls. That's why I say when the voice is absence, it's because he's doing a deeper work in you. Everybody shout deeper work. Say deeper work in me. Third thing that the silence often communicates is God is declaring I trust God is declaring trust me. Beautiful story in the gospel of John chapter 11 one of my favorites. Math Martha, <coughs> Mary, and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother. The text makes it clear that all three of them are deeply loved by Jesus. Jesus, whenever he's in Jerusalem, he always goes over to their house about 10 miles later from Jerusalem. And that's where he would stay. They're all like brothers and sisters. Lazarus took sick. Here's the text starts off. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend, the one you love, the King James Version says, is very sick. In the next verse, watch this. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. He did not say it will not include death. He did not say it will not involve death. Because you know the story of Lazarus, he did die. But because Jesus showed up, come on now, death couldn't hold him. Oh, my God. All right, so, so he said, but no. 
It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. You know, when you talk about the glory of God, what you mean is this event that's going to happen, it's going to, to, to put glory on God means to shine the light on God. This event is going to be so powerful what God does through it, it's going to shine the light on God and make people believe. And what Jesus was saying to them was, just trust me. Trust me. Sometimes his silence is simply saying, trust me. Shout, trust me. Trust me. But then the fourth thing, which is, for me, I think is one of the more profound things that his silence would tend to speak to us. It's, it's in Psalms. It's, a, it's unique. Psalms 32. And you should read the whole psalm when you get home because it does remind us that, 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 that the, the unconfessed brokenness and sin in our lives does affect our fellowship with God. It, it has a way of imposing internal guilt on us and pushing us back from God rather than God stepping back from us. And the psalmist talks about that. And he talks about how when he came clean, how, wow, this flood of, 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 of renewed relationship happened. Then in the middle of it, God breaks into the dialogue. And then this is what God says to him. This is powerful. God says, I will instruct you. Everybody shout instruct. Uh, in, the, in the New Living Translation, that word is better translated advise. Doesn't say I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to advise, instruct you, and teach you in the way you should go. I will shout counsel. Come on, there's another version of this notion of advise and provide you with counsel. You, you will, watch this, I'll counsel you with my, I love this, oh, this is so beautiful, with my loving eye on you. Isn't that beautiful? Good God Almighty, I'm going to counsel you and however you end up, just know, just know this, my loving eye is on you. You're never out of my sight. Good God Almighty. My mama used to have a word for that. She used to say, boy, I don't care. I don't care if you, you're not, if you cross city, come on, I, 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 somebody knows you and they're going to tell me, so you're never out of my sight. That's what she'd say. Come on now. <laughs> he said, good God Almighty. Come on now. Next verse, next verse. Do not be like, then, then here's the insight. Stay with me. Watch it. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding because they have no understanding. Say no understanding. No understanding. I've got to put a bit in their mouth. Come on now. And I've got to control them. A bit and a bridle. And I've got to control them. They, they got to, I've got to tell them everything to do. Everything. Everything. Say everything. Everything. I've got to tell them everything. 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 But, 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 but I don't want to have to put a bit in your mouth and tell you everything. 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 No. I, I want to treat you the way you want to raise your kids. There comes a point when you're, growing, when you're raising kids where you need to stop solving their problems. That when they come to you and ask you for the answer, you need to flip it back and say, what do you think the answer? When they come to you and ask for the solution, you need to flip it back and say, what do you think is the solution? And you provide advice, you provide counsel, but at some point, You've got to step back, come on now, and trust them because you've put some values in them. You've, you've put some vision in them. Come on now. You've, you've, you've tried to build character, but in order to know what they got and what they don't, you've got to give them room to make some decisions on their own. So you've got to get out of their details, some of them, and, 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 and stop trying to tell them everything. Don't put a, bri don't put a bridle in their mouths. Whew. You following me? Let's, let's step back. 
And if they hit the head, that's all right. Pick them up. But don't stop them from hitting the head. Because some of the best lessons come when you hit your head. Wow. And so when God is saying to some of us through the silence, God is saying, you're asking me. But God is saying, I trust you. God is saying, why don't you make a decision? You've been going to church for 20 years. What do you think I want you to do? Come on, you've been reading scripture all this time. What, what, what does my values articulate? Come on, I'm going to give you space to even make a mistake. I'm just letting you know, I trust you. Good God Almighty. Isn't that amazing? Come on, shout. God trusts me. Yeah, he trusts me. 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 So these are four things that I say that God speaks to us in the silence. You got to figure out which one he's saying to you. But whatever it is, know this. Next time you're in a dry place, don't run. Surrender and accept the good news that God is doing something deep in you. Give God a hand, praise.